Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 326 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump and the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. You can check out Dexcom at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and find out everything you want to know about the Omnipod, including how to get a free no-obligation demo of the pump sent directly to your home at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. You know, the podcast is about a lot of different things surrounding type 1 diabetes. And very often we talk about management. When we do, we kind of speak about it on a macro and a micro level, right? You know, the idea of using a temp basal increase or decrease, for instance, that works with every insulin pump. But when you hear me speak specifically about a pump, most of the time you'll hear me talk about Omnipod because that's what my daughter's been using for you know 14 years. Same with CGM. My daughter's had a Dexcom since, I don't even remember what the first one was called, but a really long time. So when I talk about CGM, you might hear me talk about it macro, how to use the data to make good decisions, or micro, how a Dexcom works. But we've never been able to talk about the Medtronic 670G in a micro way because I've never used it. So what I did was I brought Jenny Smith on because Jenny's worn the 670G and she trains people on how to use it. So this is Jenny's experience. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Of course, you know Jenny Smith from the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes here on the Juicebox podcast or Defining Diabetes episodes. We do Ask Scott and Jenny together. As a matter of fact, this Thursday, there'll be a live Ask Scott and Jenny on my Facebook page. That's going to be Thursday the 23rd, he says, because he's not 100% sure what today's date is. I'll look for you. Hold on. Thursday the 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Bold with Insulin Facebook page. Jenny and I will be doing a live hour of Ask Scott and Jenny. Jenny is a certified diabetes educator. She's had type 1 diabetes for well over 30 years. She works at Integrated Diabetes. And Jenny is adept at walking people through using different pumps and CGMs. And enough of you have asked about 670G that I thought, well, let me get Jenny on and we'll find out what her experience was while she was wearing it. I would like to talk about and do an overview of how it works and how to use it and what's good about it and what's bad about it, about the Medtronic 670G. Ah. So this is not meant to, let's start off like this. I think we all know that Jenny doesn't love the 670G. <laughs> like she doesn't hate it. But when you talk about it, there's not love in your voice is what I'm saying. And, and, but there are right. plenty of people using it and they should know how to use it as best as possible. Um, Correct. And that's sort of what my goal is for this. I started off by familiarizing myself with the system a little bit online. And oh, okay. I was surprised. See, immediately it's going to sound like I'm I'm not a fan. But I, it, I, I don't mean this in any judgmental way other than, you know, Arden uses an Omnipod. I open up a little plastic thing. There's a pod inside of it. And that's the entirety of what we use, right? So I'm looking at this and there's a pump itself. 
There's mm-hmm. a reservoir, a glucose monitor, an infusion set inserting device. There's an infusion set. And I was like, wow, that seems like a lot of stuff. But I get it. Like, you know, it's it's a different situation, a different setup and everything. So anyway, right. th- so those are the pieces. There's the pump, the reservoir, the CGM, which is a proprietary Medtronic CGM. Um, Correct. And yep. Gar- now today's it's called the Guardian. The Guardian. It used okay. to be if you're still using it, you could potentially maybe still have the N light, and the old old one. I think it was called the Soft Sensor. Okay. Right. Um. So they've had quite a number of up updates. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. So current is Guardian. That is that. <laughs> is the exact lack of love I was talking about right there. <laughs> so then there's the infusion set for people who aren't pumping or using an Omnipod is a, it's an adhesive thing with a plastic thing on top that, yep. you know, it's like a port, I guess, that goes to a piece of tubing, that tubing goes to the insulin pump and you can disconnect that, that set, right? Like to take it, you have Correct. to, like, to take, you a have to take a shower, to get in the pool, to do all of those things. There's also a little piece that, um, whether most people use it or not, um, there is a little extra piece that you pop into the infusion site once you disconnect from the tubing. The cap that's it. supposed to, and you you pop it. It's almost like a cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you're supposed to technically put it in um, in order to prevent extra things from you know getting in there. So when I disconnect, I cap. I'm supposed to cap this site. Okay. Yes, you're right. supposed to cap it. Yes. Okay. So those are the pieces, and then there's the, I'm sorry, the insertion. So it's sort of, it, to me, it looks like it's maybe palm size, sort of like a cup. I guess you set it on your skin and press on it or squeeze a button or something yep, like that. And that would be for one of their one of their infusion sets. And all the pump companies that have tubed pumps have different types of sets okay. dependent on, you know, your body type and what works well for you. The one that you're talking about, it usually works with their, um, it's called the quick set. Okay. Um, you kind of, um, it comes with this little like, almost looks like a little pod sort of um, like a, like an alien UFO almost is what I call it. Okay. <laughs> and you open it up and you pull, there's like a little, um, like a lever inside that you sort of pull back and you cock it essentially. Okay. Um, and then when you squeeze the buttons on the side, it pops the infusion set or the, in, the um, yeah, the infusion set underneath your skin. Okay. Um, there are other ones like the silhouette, um, which is more, it's an angled, it's not 90 degrees like the quick set. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mio is another one that's a 90 degree that they have. And the silhouette is an angled one that does come with an inserter. I would say a good, a good 75% of people though, who are using the silhouette are self-inserting. They're just pushing that infusion set underneath their skin. They're not actually using the insertion device. I myself, when I um, when I was using Medtronic, um, I had tried using the silhouette and I wasn't using the inserter. Okay. I was just doing it myself. So you just fried my brain a little bit as a person who's never used the tube pump. So you're telling me at some point there was an infusion set and it still exists now that I press into my body like the I'm... The needle with the covering cannula on it. Yeah. Gotcha. And that's how it's meant to be used. It is. So okay. uh, in two ways, that that set in and of itself is it comes with an inserter. The inserter, in fact, I think it, as a visual for people who can't see us talking, mm-hmm. um, the insertion device looks much like the old G5 inserter for the sensor. 
Okay. That's what it looks like. It's okay. like it's almost like a thick pen. Mm-hmm. Um, the infusion set goes into the end of it, right? And then the button on the end you press, and it pushes the infusion set under your skin. The big thing with it is that you really it's meant to go in at a certain angle under the skin, mm-hmm. and you you know with that device it's like a very fine rocking of your own hand to keep it at a 45 degree angle. Okay. So you could technically insert it too shallow or you could insert it too deep, not the way that the infusion set is technically supposed to be inserted. I myself found that the inserter did not work well for me. Okay. So I, even my husband, he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm putting my infusion set in. He's like, that's a really big needle. And I'm like, <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm quite aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, it's a self and it does. I mean, for people who are using it, they get used to it. Um, I can say it's not my favorite thing to do. And of all the sets, um, my favorite set of all, even compared to Omnipod, which you don't get a choice in a set. Right. It is just what it is. It's built in. I've never had any problems with Omnipod set, thankfully. Mm. Um, but my favorite for any tubed pump is the one that's called, um, it's a steel cannula. So it's almost like a thumbtack that sits under the skin. Okay. And you, why do you like it? I like it because it goes in at a 90 degree angle. I had so many problems with kinked, bent problematic tubes that were the typical like Teflon type of cannula mm-hmm. under the skin. Yeah. I never, I've never in my well, almost 15 years of using Omnipod now, I have had maybe two yeah. kinked sites, maybe two. With the tube pumps, however, I have had my supply of way more than I've ever wanted. So the nice thing about the steel cannula, um, for Medtronic, it's called the Sure T. Mm-hmm. Um, for if you're a tandem user, it would be called the True Steel. Okay. So they both make a, a completely steel cannula. Pops under the skin like a thumb tap popping into a cork board. Um, there is no hassle to using it. It stays in place. No kinking at all. There's a lot less site irritation for many people with it. There are a lot less site infections with using it. Um, so, yeah. Gotcha. I, I, I can say that I know Arden has had one, um, one cannula problem in the entire time she's used Omnipod. And I was doing the math on it the other day. She started when she was four. She's going to be 16. So Ar- wow. Ar- Arden's been wearing... Almost as long as me. Yeah. Arden's been wearing an Omnipod for... 12 years every day, you know? And so uh, we, and we've had one. And I, when I look back on it, it happened like it was a pump we put on like at a pool side. And I remember it all being a little like, like, I want to get back in the pool. Like, you know, like it wasn't, it, it was like quick, 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 quick. It wasn't, it, your, it wasn't, it wasn't being done maybe exactly right. But, um, you know, it was obvious the CGM made it obvious that it wasn't working. So, right. I, actually, it was funny. The CGM made it obvious it wasn't working after we got her away from the pool. It, it actually turned out that, you know, it, I think her exercise had kept her blood sugar down for the for the couple of hours. Couple and then when we got hours. away from the pool, then all of a sudden you could tell, hey, this thing's not working right. Um, so anyway. OK. Now. That seems like a lot to me, I, but I'm not here. To, <laughs> I'm not here to critique the the 
I really want everyone to understand it. It's tough because there's the side of me that feels like I'm, I don't know. I, 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 a lot of what you just said, I think, wow, a lot of that doesn't seem necessary, but okay. Right. You know, well, uh, and I can say too, from, from just giving credit as well of all the pumps on the cyst on the, um, you know, on the market today of which there are only three brands that are out there right now, yeah. FDA approved. Um, I mean, Omnipod is the easiest by far. So if you were going to rate them in, in ease of like filling, using even a cannula and a reservoir, Omnipod is the easiest. Yeah. Medtronic honestly is the second easiest. Okay. As cumbersome as it looked to you, having never really done it yourself or needing to, it's actually the second second easiest. Tandems is a it's a weird system. I mean, and I I say that from the standpoint, it just has a lot more steps in the filling of the reservoir, the filling of the tubing, and every it it just takes longer. Yeah. So um I don't so know. There, there's some credit to Medtronic there, I guess. Yeah. Hey, Medtronic, you're not as bad as the tandem when it comes to use. <laughs> Congratulations. Put that on a box. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to reservoir and filling tubing oh, use. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Excuse me. Specifically, <laughs> reservoir and filling use. That, well, wouldn't that be a tagline? Medtronic, we're not as bad as Control IQ for <laughs> filling the reservoir. Okay, this is getting out of hand already. Yeah. I'm sorry, Medtronic <laughs> users, don't leave. We're going to get to the good stuff, I promise. <laughs> we are, yes. Um, I, I do, I would, I would be remiss to say that, to not say that uh, I could change an Omnipod in about 45 seconds. Like yeah. it really doesn't take any time at all. I, no. I, I, um, Jenny has a, a pump changing story that she won't let, she won't tell on the podcast, but apparently you can do it almost anywhere. So. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I shouldn't tell people that I've done that. I'm like, okay, well, sorry. You keep that private then. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, all right. So, what the goal of this system, and this was, and I, I do say this all the time. This was the first, like, closed loop system out the door, right? Like, this is the first one that got, you know, FDA approved. Yep. And um, and on the market. So, points for being first because you know, uh, just like in the military or firefighting or in anywhere else, the first guy through the door doesn't usually end up so good. So, um. <laughs> So the the point here is is that you know this was early on. How long has this thing been available now? Oh gosh, um, I even I'd have to check online exactly when. It's got to be a number of years now, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, it has been a number of years. I would have to look exactly, but I feel like, gosh, it's got to be at least three, at least two. Okay. Um, if not. Three years because I'm trying to remember when I did my 670 training, and I feel like it was very soon after my three year old was born. Okay. Um, so that would be about at least three years, I would say. Okay. Let's call it. So first things first, it, it's a it's a system that's making decisions about insulin on and off, right? Does it increase basal? Does it does. It, it does. Okay. So from a yeah, from that like kind of like hybrid closed loop system. Yeah. Yes, it it does that. Does um it as your glucose changes, mm -hmm. it will temporarily increase or do these incremental adjustments up in insulin delivery as your blood sugar changes and drops. It also does an incremental adjustment down. Um it also will temporarily suspend based on you know where glucose is going to get to it will do a suspend for you okay. it does not 
it does not do like an automatic bolus, bolus, bolus kind okay. of thing. Um, it's it's bolusing structure is truly around food. Okay. Um, and that's still on you to tell it how much you're eating and all that stuff. It is. Right. In okay. fact, that's the only that's the only setting in the two modes of use of the 670 pump, which you can use in manual mode, which is just like your normal conventional pump use. Mm-hmm. All the features, all the settings, everything you have set work as they normally would. You're the controller. In auto mode, when you flip that on, then the only setting that is used for true calculation or exact calculation from a math standpoint that the user can figure out is carbs. Their carb to insulin ratio stays true to what is set in the pump. So if you have set a 1 to 14 ratio, the pump is going to use that along with the glucose value um, to suggest a bolus for that food. Okay. Can you adjust the bolus? Can you say, oh, I would like this to be more? No, you can't. Okay. So in a situation where, you know, you know, like, say, the glycemic load of a food is going to hit you heavier than the carb count, what do you do then? So that's the, there are no longer temporary basils. There is no longer an extended bolus. And on Medtronic's pump, their extended bolus is referred to as either a square Square wave wave. or a dual wave, Right. right? None of those features are now available once you are in auto mode. Hmm. So you're right. The hard thing is that for a meal such as, and we've talked about it so many times, but like pizza, right? right? I I mean, a, a lot of people are not going to get the hefty management in the afternoon, in the aftermath for that, that they've been used to getting when they're using maybe an extended bolus for fat or a temporary basil to offset the later impact of fat. That feature isn't there as an option with the auto mode. Now, as glucose does start to change, you will get those microscopic adjustments in insulin dosing up Mm -hmm. to accommodate for the change that is happening. But it's not going to be like your very robust temporary basal of 60 plus percent above your normal in order to take care of it incremental and smaller correct and correction boluses it's another place to kind of bring in correction boluses are they're they're very difficult to navigate within auto mode okay um because the system is it's more conservative right it's target that it's aiming for is 120 Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really start to adjust or aggressively navigate blood sugars until you're higher. What does higher mean? Right? Like the 160, 180 range. And then it starts to crank on the basal or a and little And then more. it starts to crank based on the trend. And, you know, it is referring to the trend in glucose that's happening, mm-hmm. right? Um, but overall, you're not getting an aggressive enough nature to assist. So, you know, many people are, um, many people are learning when to potentially shift out of auto mode, when to potentially shift back into manual mode or, you know, back into auto mode. Um, so 
there are some tricks and or tips to using the system to yeah. your advantage. Right. I think we'll be talking about that. So I just, I, I, I'm trying to understand just one more thing. So yeah, take some, when I put a bunch of insulin in for something, right. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to know. Is there a way to tell it, Hey, this is pizza. It's not really going to hit me for an hour. It, you can't you can't tell it timelines of food or absorption rates or anything like that. Okay, so this thing throws in. I say I'm gonna eat two slices of pizza. I tell it it's sixty carbs. It throws all the insulin in. Does it then work with the bolus? Meaning, does it take the basal away to let the bolus work, or is, does the basal still stay in play? It kind of depends on what the shift in glucose. In is situation for what's you. happening okay. yeah so it could so it could take away the basil if it thinks you're going to get low and then let the bolus try to work but then that doesn't feel right yeah and okay. yeah and it does it along with um as i said before the only true um setting that's sort of carried over from your normal setting mode um, is the insulin to carb ratio. And then it also utilizes the active insulin time that you have set as well. Okay. So that's a piece of, you know, how long should this insulin really be working? If you've got it set for two hours, well, then the pump is going to think that two hours from now you're clear of any active bolus insulin. So it may allow you to take some correction within the automatic mode. Okay. Um, but yeah, it doesn't use your current basal rates. It doesn't use your current sensitivity or correction factor. Um, again, it targets a blood sugar of 120. So you just said if the action time's short enough, then, you know, say two hours, then two hours later, you'd be eligible to make a correction bolus then? Potentially, depending. And it'll only suggest correction boluses if your blood sugar is above 150. Oh, okay. So I can't decide... I'm 130. I want this to stop. I'm going to give myself some insulin. I have to be over 154 to even allow that. Yes. But I could go out of auto mode and then do whatever I want. Then it's just an insulin pump. Then it's just an insulin pump like you're normally using. Yes. But I guess the, Um, the problem with that is that it's been making decisions about insulin based on what it thinks is going to happen. And then I come in and make different changes. How do I get back into auto mode? without a problem. I don't know about you, but here we are five weeks into our social isolation. I don't think I've been out of my house more than a few times, except to wander around in my yard. And uh, it's starting to get a little weird. It's starting to be difficult to care about things. I don't know how I mean that exactly. Let Let me think it through for a second. I didn't comb my hair yesterday, and I didn't care. And I went outside, and my neighbors saw me, and my hair was sticking in 16 different directions. I just thought, whatever. I'm worried, though, that that attitude is going to bleed into other parts of my life. And I'm worried that it might for you as well. For instance, were you just about to find out more about ways to make yourself healthier right before all this happened, and now you just feel like, You're on pause, just waiting for the world to pick back up again. Well, I know that's true for some things, but it's not for everything. For example, right now, with very little effort, you could get Omnipod to send you a no-obligation free demo of the Omnipod right to your house. 
It's amazing. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. You go there, you fill out your information, and a box will arrive at your home with your Omnipod. Now, you'll probably like, you know, it'll be on the front step and you'll be shooting it with Lysol and stuff like that. But after you do that, inside you're going to find an Omnipod and it's all for you to wear, to try, to test, to shower in. You can find out how the Omnipod looks on you while you don't comb your hair or while you're sitting in a chair staring off into space. Once you understand how that's going to work, you'll be ready to wear your Omnipod as you launch yourself back into the world with your new insulin pump, ready to make these kinds of adjustments that you hear us talking about all the time on the podcast. Temp basal increases, decreases, extended boluses, not having to disconnect your pump for a shower, being able to set up basal programs, which sounds really difficult, but isn't. But just think of it this way. If you're on MDI and you get low overnight, but not during the day, and you think, I don't know, if I take away my insulin, my basal insulin, so I don't get low overnight, I'll get high during the day. But on the Omnipod, you don't have to worry about that. You could set up one basal program for the daytime and one for the nighttime. One time you need more insulin and one time you need less. You can keep that pump on while you're showering, swimming, walking around in your backyard, trying to remember what it was like to go to the movies. And then, you know, once everything's back to normal, all the other things that your life is. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Get a demo pod sent to you today. You're not doing anything else anyway. Please don't put your health on pause. Now, when you get done with that, here's the next step. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Find out today why I love the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor so very, very much. The information that comes back from the Dexcom is not just to keep you safe. It's to keep you healthy. It's to keep you ahead of the curve that is your blood sugar. You can stop the blood sugar curve a lot easier than you can flatten other curves by just pre-bolusing a little bit or understanding where you need more or less insulin or how some meals impact you differently than others. You can get all of that and so much more at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Examples are from my daughter's life with type 1 diabetes. Your results may vary. Links available at juiceboxpodcast.com and right there in the player of your podcast app. There's show notes. Look around. You can just touch on it. Boom. You'll be right there at the link you want. It's magical. How do I get back into auto mode Mm -hmm. without a problem? Yeah, it's a, and that is the, that is the difference. Sometimes it is just a button push, right? It's a turn the auto mode back on. So it seems as though it would be an, an, an easy like fix. Um, but when you go back into auto mode, it's then looking at the sensor data for like an accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's evaluating and it may require some additional information. It may ask you to calibrate. It may ask you to add a glucose which isn't really a calibration. All it's doing is requiring a glucose value to be added, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of goes into a lot of the alarms and things that people get annoyed with within the system um, because it just needs to see that glucose value and reevaluate where things are at this point. So you may get, going back into auto mode, some some of those alerts and alarms before it starts doing things. Um, and then there are also limits, you know, to 
how much in auto mode the basal insulin will be allowed to increase. And it does, it's interesting because it does vary sort of person to person. Um, It's about, from what we can kind of tell, it's about like two to two and a half times your average isal rate. Okay. Excuse me, is what it'll allow as far as an increase in the basal adjustment that it's giving. Um, And again, remembering that any temporary basal increase isn't really like a bolus to correct. So if you're seeing a trend that's going up and you're waiting for the system to kind of kick in, that temporary adjustment is also going to take time to start affecting that blood sugar. So it's like, it doesn't really adjust quick enough. And it's only a portion of how much you would put in if you were making a bolus in that situation. Right. So not only is it uh, a fraction of what you need, but it's going in as basal and probably taking up to an hour for it to actually be an impact. To potentially impactful. So exactly. Then, then your 130 is going to make it to 200 by the time it's there. And it's not going to be enough by the time it's there to begin with. Right. Okay. And then, and then on the opposite end too, you yep. know, if you're looking at like lower blood sugars and this is true, even in conventional pumps, if you're low now, mm-hmm. you need to treat the low. Right. You don't expect that a temporary basal adjustment or even one that's being augmented by an automatic system like this, if you're low, you have to fix it. You can't expect that a temporary adjustment down is going to offset where you are now. My blood sugar is 50. It's 50. A a basal off isn't going to turn a 50 into 100 in any kind of reasonable amount of time, right? No. If ever. ever. Right. Um, So when I correct that 50, do I tell it? that I did that? Do I tell it carbs? Because I find that to be an interesting problem because they're such quick acting carbs. You know that, you know, within reason, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're reasonably good at, at correcting a low, you're going to take mm-hmm. in enough fast acting carbs to get your 50 back to 80 or 90 or hundred. Hopefully you don't want any insulin for that because it's that little right. bump, that little bump's not going to send you to the moon. So you don't want to all of a sudden tell it, I've just taken in 10 carbs because will it then when you get to 90, start basiling at the carbs? You know what I mean? It's basiling not based on any of the carb information it's giving you. In fact, if you entered carbs, if it didn't, if it didn't think that you needed a bolus based on where you are, it wouldn't offer a bolus, but it's only really it's not intuitively looking at that carb stamp and uh, saying, now I need to change the dosing because there are carbs in the picture. It's only looking at the change in glucose. So if that if that fast-acting carb did cause a rise, then it would start affecting it, but not based on the carbs. It would be based on the, the sensor data. Based on the sensor data. And again, based on where does the glucose start to be adjusted by the auto mode system, it has to be a certain height in order for it or a certain like trajectory towards a high number mm-hmm. that it would start to offset things. What are, What is that number? Where does it start to correct? You know, I'm trying to remember whether it's, um, I haven't used the system like personally in a while and I have to think and I'd have to look that up actually okay. and see if I can find that because I can't remember the exact number, um, that it starts to correct like at or above. Um, I do know that, you know, if for corrections, as we were kind of just chatting about too, some, some users might already 
be thinking, well, gosh, I just I just enter some extra carbs when I'm high, even though I'm not going to eat them. And mm -hmm. so it generates a bolus for me. Okay. So they're doing, and a lot of people are calling that like like ghost carbs, carbs that you aren't eating, but mm -hmm. you're just putting them in because, hey, I know if I enter 20 grams of carb, I can get that one unit bolus that I really need because my blood sugar is higher than it want it to be, but the system isn't offering anything outside of this. Gotcha. So I'm going to enter it in. The problem is... Um, that it can offset data analysis then, right? So when a practitioner or a caregiver or somebody is looking at data, it's confusing. it can get very confusing with yeah. where to make adjustments. Right. So, um, you know, if you, if you did use that strategy, the one thing that we would really recommend doing is making a note in whatever your logging system is, mm -hmm. um, Tidepool is a nice place to make notes like that because they pop up right on that okay. daily trend um, to be able to say, hey, I see a 10 gram entry here with a bolus. Yeah, that was a ghost carb. So I've got some people who just enter ghost carbs okay. Okay. as a tag note, you know. Um, but again, it's it's also kind of a in practice, it's kind of discouraged, even though people do do it very often. Well, is it a problem in inside of the system because you've now told it that carbs exist that don't exist? So what happens an hour from now if you've right if you've if you do want to eat you, yeah, or you've over, right? It, uh, but you know your your example's better. If I do want to eat, it believes there's carbs in there, and now it's going to change the the bolus somehow, either more or less or. Because it'll see all. insulin on board for a purpose, right? right. Um, so it will have effect on, you know, auto mode for hours after putting in that corrective ghost carb entry to generate it. It, it is accumulating then. You know, if you do that at three o'clock in the morning, you're not going to eat until nine o'clock in the morning. That's not really going to have any major impact overall other than just hopefully navigating you down safely. But if you're trying to stop a rise an hour before dinner, then right. everything's going to get messed up. Then everything gets messed up. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and this all kind of goes back to the, the beginning of what we always educate is get your settings right also right. before you go into auto mode. Okay. Yeah. Make sure things are good. And and it's really, I think, in, in the, the hybrid closed system that the 670 is, this is even more important, um, mainly because before you switch on auto mode, um, all, the system is gathering like insulin dosing data mm -hmm. in the days before you switch on auto mode. So um, it essentially will update its algorithm of insulin use at midnight every night based on your amount of insulin you've used over the, over about the past week. Okay. So we've found that it's best and I'm, I'm not quite, I don't remember exactly what Medtronic says. I think that they're saying two or three days. We've found that it's most advantageous for people to be in manual mode of normal insulin dosing with well set settings for about a week before turning auto mode on. Okay. You're not going to um, buy this thing, slap it on and be like, fix me. Right. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And that's where it is very different comparative to tandems control IQ. Okay. Control IQ, you put your settings in, all of your settings work in control IQ mode. 
you can slap it on out of the box, put in all your settings, turn control IQ, and you're off and running. It just starts working. Okay. Not so with 670. So 670G is actually trying to learn? Is that it, a fair statement or no? In a very in a very beginning sort of rudimentary way, yeah. So it's just collecting data like you used 50 units on Tuesday, 45 on Wednesday, but all of a sudden, and it's... It, Somehow Correct. that's helping it make decisions. Correct. Now there are there are also some drawbacks to that, right? Let's I see say, a ton of them as you're talking, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and you probably do. I mean, you're intuitive about all of this because of the years of experience that you have in managing with Arden, but you can see where this leads to, especially from a female point, mm-hmm. right? If you are in that time potentially before your cycle starts where you have these high insulin needs and everything needs to be ramped up, then what happens when your cycle starts and all of your insulin needs plummet to sometimes for women, 10% less than what their standard profile is running for a day or two of their of their first two days. And this thing's made a decision based on and, a time when you've been resistant for a whole week. Correct. Right. Or people who've been using steroids because they're sick or mm. people who've had like an unbelievable amount of stress for the past three days because their father passed away or whatever. Yeah. Well, that could lead to things being in auto mode more aggressive, really. Yeah, so, so there's a thing that that is pretty common within, you know, how people talk about diabetes that I completely discount. I don't pay attention to it and I don't believe in it a hundred percent or even maybe 10%. But the idea that, you know, uh, three days makes a trend. I'm like, okay, it makes a trend. It doesn't mean it's going to keep happening for all the reasons you just said, like, okay, I finally figured out I need my basil to be 0.5 an hour. And then I get that set up and something changes. There's too many variables to say that any one trend is an indicator of the month. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, it just that doesn't make any sense, uh, male or female. I don't, mm-hmm. like, buy into that at all. What if I just, what if one week I decide, I don't know, I'm going to eat more vegetables than red meat or then, you know what I mean? And then the next week, it's different. I, I don't know. Right. Like, there's just right. too many, there's too many things. I work a little harder at work this week than I did last week. I get a little more sleep, a little less sleep. If you're looking for that, if you're trying to find a, a repeatable pattern in that, I don't imagine that exists. And if it does, it's well beyond what an insulin pump or me can figure out, you you know? So I'm just more. Well, even for the people who have done the testing and let's say they'd have for the most part figured out, like I always need about this much more for this time period or this much less or whatever. Well, for the, again, the, the woman who sort of figured out her monthly like cycle changes and how much more she needs and what basal profile to set on and whatever, well, what if you start training for a marathon mm-hmm. or you've decided to now, you know, go swimming for an hour every morning? Yeah. That is going to create a difference in need into this next month. And so it probably will look like, well, gosh, everything's different again. Well, you brought a variable into the picture that wasn't there when you were doing the testing to begin with. Right. You, you can't turn to your pump and say, hey, pump, listen, it's just you and me this week. I got a report right. due at work. <laughs> a lot of pressure here my bonus is riding on this i'm probably going to be a little yacked up just so you know 20 more percent you you know i think i'm gonna have some stress high blood sugars there's that doesn't exist so you need to be able to be flexible for those things i don't know it just it 
I, I've just never been a fan of the idea that, you know, three days is a rule. It's a rule for those three days. It's not, you know, and so, right. and so if that's the case, what people always end up doing is spending three days trying to figure out what's going on. They stare at high blood sugars or stare at low blood sugars, trying to find out if it's going to become a, you know, it's going to become a thing that they can count on. I'm always just like, I think you should deal with diabetes in the moment. And then whatever happens is now gone. And I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. If Arden's needed less insulin on Saturday and it looks like that's how it's going to be on Sunday. I remember that that's part of being flexible, right? Yeah. But I don't, but, but if I wake up on Sunday and all of a sudden she needs more insulin, I don't say to myself, well, that's not true because yesterday she didn't need a lot. So we're just going to watch her blood sugar be 300 all day today. Like I don't, that's not it. Like I think diabetes is a in the moment situation, but, but okay. Um, so I've got my, let me ask you this. I, I say this all the time and maybe, maybe it's not true for this one and maybe it is. I'm going to get your opinion. I think that for most people living with type one diabetes, these systems, you know, the 670G that's available now, and obviously it's been out for a couple of years, the, um, the tandem system and the, you know, the forthcoming, uh, uh, horizon from Omnipod, which we should be seeing pretty soon. Um, Hopefully. from hope, well, as long as the, co- the, the coronavirus doesn't keep throwing things off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so those things exist. And for most people living with type one diabetes, what are up to like 1.8 million people now? And like that have it. For most people, slapping these systems on is probably a huge improvement for them, don't you think? Yes. In fact, we've had quite a number of, I wouldn't say quite a number, but a good enough number of people that we work with who the 670 has smoothed things out Mm -hmm. considerably. It has. You know, they were were up, down, roller coasting consistently, day to day, high to low, high to low no assistive management Mm -hmm. to help with that variance in in their blood sugar. And overall, while there's, where they're still probably averaging a blood sugar of 140 to 150, the system has smoothed out the variance and it's kept them more stable. That's a beautiful thing. And, and for most people that that's the case, they're happy with it, getting them to a target of 140. It targets 120, but for the most part, you talk to most people, they're really achieving an average somewhere between 130 to probably 160, okay. give or take. Um, but again, stability there, that's a huge piece. Right. So if you've gained stability and you're an average of 160 instead of 220, it's an incredible improvement for you in the moment and probably for your entire life as well. And a lot of people still, even in auto mode, they're still reaping the benefit of these, these hybrid kinds of systems, mm-hmm. especially in the overnight. Most people without food in the picture, a system like this is a huge advantage right. for the overnight. Get some sleep and you don't get low as much yeah. and you're not, and you don't get those crazy highs overnight as right. much. What about, I feel like we were remiss if we don't mention the guardian sensor. So yeah. obviously we're, I, my daughter uses a Dexcom G6. They're sponsors of the show. Um, you use a Dexcom, yep. um, the, the, you know, uh, the scuttlebutt for me from what I see on the street from the kids is that people don't think the guardians as accurate as the Dexcom. Is that, is that a fair statement from what you've seen or how do you even, I think that's a very fair statement. Okay. It is. I mean, even from my personal sensor use of 
two of their sensors. I tried the N light years ago. Mm. Um, I all, when I was training, you know, on their pump to begin with. And then when I trialed and um, the 670 with their guardian, I would say that it's definite, it was an improvement from what I had had with, uh, the N light. Okay. It was, it yeah. was definite improvement, but it was still not for me anywhere near the accuracy or the consistency in accuracy mm. that I get with my Dexcom. Okay. In fact, when I was using the 670, I wore my Dexcom at the same time. Oh, okay. So you can to see. compare. I mean, when you're wearing like several things, who cares about another <laughs> site, right? Like I'm just going to be the ultimate like robot person, right? So they look um, like a wind chime, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, and I, I mean, I followed, there are certain, you know, things to definitely make sure that you're getting the sensor to work as well as possible to begin with mm -hmm. um, from the Guardian standpoint, because it is, I would say the best word for it, it's finicky, comparative to Dexcom. Okay. And I personally tried all those tips, tricks, things that could possibly be done, and it never really worked well for me. And I think that that's the biggest hang up then that I had with it in auto mode is that it drove me crazy with all of the requests for additional glucose entries and calibrations. It, it wasn't accurate. And thus, in any of these hybrid systems, if you have a sensor that is not accurate, the adjustments in something like auto mode or in control IQ closed mode, you're you're not going to get accurate adjustment right. because your sensor is not accurate to begin with. When you say it asks for calibration, so it knows well enough that it's not okay, but it doesn't know where okay is. Is that so? For the most part, our our go-to recommendations for getting your sensor to work as well as possible. Um, we recommend calibrating that sensor and it does require calibration. Mm -hmm. Unlike G6 for Dexcom, yeah. the Guardian does require calibrations, but we recommend calibrating about three to four times a day at more regular times of day. But the biggest thing is really to ideally do it when your glucose is more stable okay. in order mm. to avoid what we know in all of the sensing systems, there is lag time mm. based on if something is trending down or trending up right now, there's lag that's happening. Your finger stick is often either lower or it could be higher based on what's happening trend wise. Sure. So the goal is to try to calibrate Doing when you've goal. got a horizontal kind of <clears throat> angled trend happening. Um, also, the accuracy of the glucometer that you're using to calibrate with. Is a big deal too, yeah. That's a huge deal. I mean, if you're using some off the market, like, well, not off the market, but like random generic brand, yeah. don't to calibrate. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's the easiest, just, just don't, don't. I And I know that some people, it, it's based on what their insurance is able to cover, right? Right, or what they can afford. I, I get that, but then also understand that your calibration of these systems mm -hmm. may actually mess up the natural sensing of what it sees yeah. as being there. Yeah, you're wearing a you're wearing a state of the art glucose sensing system, and calibrating it with something you got out of a bubblegum machine, it's not going to go well because then you just confuse the sensor. By, by telling it, you know, let's say the sensor thinks you're 110, you're really 120, and your meter is like, no, no, we're 80. And you put that 
information in that the sensor is going to go, and it's not going to know what to do and it's going to confuse it, you know, and you have to be careful. The thing with Medtronics, um, it does come with a monitor that connects with the pump, which is nice. It's the best one that's on the market. It's the contour next. If you get it with the pump, use it because that is the best rated as far as accuracy on the market. And that goes for anybody that's out there. If you want to know why, um, the Contour X1 is sponsoring the show now. It's because Arden's experience with the Contour X1 meter has been head and shoulders better than any other meter she's ever used. As far yeah. as um, consistency, ease of use, uh, portability, and and how closely it agrees with the G6 is fascinating. I don't know if that speaks well for the G6 or for the meter or for both, maybe, honestly, but it's... I've never seen so much consistency between technology before. And, you know, according to, I mean, one of the last conferences I went to when I was able to fly and actually be within six feet of somebody else, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I stopped at the actual, the, the Roche, um, where AccuCheck, their guide or guide me is also one of the highest rated accuracy on the market. So if you can't, for some reason, insurance coverage wise, use the contour, that AccuCheck guide or guide me at all really is also no. very good. Yeah. So, but that, that goes along with sensor, any sensor that you're calibrating, but definitely one that could have some finicky component to it mm-hmm. for the guardian. Try to make sure that your glucometer is a good one. Um, so, and then of course, you know, any sensor, it's the insertion of it. Are you putting it in the right way? Are you cleaning your site? Are you making sure that you're um, the transmitter for the Guardian needs to be charged. And so unlike Dexcom, which you just slap it on and it continues to work every time you put it with a new sensor until it's dead at 90 days, the transmitter for the Guardian has to be charged. So that just confused me. Can I char- I can't charge it while it's on my body, right? Oh, no. Then how does, so I have to pop it out and charge it? How often do I have to do that? Oh, the charging. That's another one that I'd have to look back and see exactly it doesn't take long to charge it okay but i know that it's at least it's at least every five to seven days but don't don't you know directly quote me on that but yeah it is it it requires charging and there's like a little you know that comes with the system there's a little charging like port that you pop it into and it charges and then it's ready and then but if you're if your transmitter isn't well charged or it's kind of at the end, you know, don't put on a brand new sensor and then you're going to have to pop it out and it it just weirds up the system. <laughs> well, we're selling the hell out of this thing, aren't we? Um, so, <laughs> geez. All right. Um, I, I, so being serious, like that seems like more work. Uh, I So I, I have to take, so every number of More days. Work, but if you do want a positive, go ahead. it lasts longer than your transmitters. Okay. That's right. a huge positive, so you right? Can, you and you the don't fact have to that replace the actual devices frequently. You don't have to, right? The set, I mean, the transmitter is there. You've got it until it's no longer working for you. And that's a nice thing. It's a great point. I only ever have our experiences. I've I've never experienced a gap where we didn't have Dexcom supplies. But I, you know, that very well may be because I'm on top of ordering them or because my insurance doesn't argue about, it. I don't know why there's probably a, a number of different reasons, mm-hmm. uh, but okay. So there's, there's a good and bad. So you have to recharge it, but it lasts longer. It there lasts longer. Right. It does require, um, some taping. Oh, it tries to fall off. Does it? 
Well, and all I think all the sensors on the market, depending on body type and what the moisture level sure. and, you know, everything in your skin is, everybody's a little bit different. I mean, I occasionally in the summertime need to, you know, need to tape down or put a, a thing around my Dexcom as well. Mm -hmm. But um, the Medtronic sensor specifically has to be taped down. It's not a, I can choose to do it. It's kind of a funny, I, I wish we had like visual, um, but once the transmitter is popped into this little sensor piece, right. the transmitter bounces. It's like, it's like if you imagine a beaver with its tail, the tail is the transmitter. Jenny, Jenny is making a, <laughs> a hand motion that's making me feel like, has anyone, anyone ever been driving in like snow and your the back of your car gets like a little light and starts bouncing around and you know so she's she's basically saying that uh that the back it's of like the a beaver tail yeah the back of the transmitter is bouncing yes uh. if you don't tape it and obviously you don't want it bouncing because it could easily come disconnected and it's pulling at the adhesive and it's pulling at the sensor wire and all the other stuff too, and then that decreases accuracy so medtronic supplies you with all of the adhesive tape that you do need to tape it down and keep it in place they give you directions to tape it the right way and pop it in and everything so again it's not extra stuff that you have to remember it comes with your supplies but it's an extra piece of use that isn't there for the other sensors. I, I'm holding in my laughter because I'm trying not to be a hater on this situation here, but my brain's going, maybe don't design it to do that. And then, or when you design it, you go, hey, this thing's bouncing around. Like, who's the person that was like, we'll give them tape, <laughs> not right. maybe we should redesign it. <laughs> right, right. Well, the question in my mind honestly always comes, and this is not specific to Medtronic, but it's any product that comes out on the market. People with diabetes get it and they're like, why did they do this? Yeah. Why is it designed like this? Like, did they not ask people with diabetes right. how their life would work if we did this weird part to it, right? Yeah. So I, I just, I don't know. I'm always like, well, I guess somebody thought it was a good idea. <laughs> well, some engineer maybe who doesn't have to wear it right. just thought about the usability of it and it works. Look, it works. And at this shape, we can make it rechargeable and, you know, all that. I Listen, I'm imagining it wasn't by mistake. I don't think they were just like, I don't care, you, you know, but there sounds like there were trade-offs made. And, you know, as we're having this conversation too, I don't know what the date is for G7, but G7 is going to become disposable, right? Like you're not going to, that's what I've heard as well. Yeah. That you're not going to have that transmitter with the battery. You're going to put it on. And when it's over, the whole thing's going to go in the garbage and you're going to start over again. And it's, right. it's going to have enough battery life in it for the life of the sensor right. bed. And that's it. Um, so yeah, I mean, things are moving forward quickly. I think, I think from a personal perspective, as I watch Medtronic and their pumps, it feels to me like they're like they're making a five pound bag of cereal. Do you know what I mean? Like it's mass market, like 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 the ones that cost like two dollars on the very bottom bin, and you're like, oh, that's the best deal. But you get so much of it, right? Like, like I feel like they're just. I feel like they're the. They've put themselves in a position where they're giving pumps to more people than the other two companies, right? And so what they're saying is 
quantity over quality. Like that's how it feels to me. Like we're going to serve these pumps to as many people as we can. And it'll work for most of them and it won't work for some of them. And that's just the price of doing business. I don't know. I could be wrong. It's just how it feels from the outside because of all the things like, I mean, listen, Jenny's just been sharing her experience wearing the device and she's not, you know, and she hears people talk about it as well when she's doing her job. But there's a lot here that seems fixable, except it doesn't change ever. It's just sort of like they won't change this thing till they change the system. They're not going to come back and make an adjustment to it or anything. They're, they're making them, they're pumping them out, no pun intended. And this is what they are until they're done. We're just going to give people tape and then we'll fix it next time, I guess. Right. And we do. And there are, I mean, speaking to that specifically, from what we know clinically and the bit that's been shared, they are already on it as, sure. a, yeah. as a company. There, there are products that should be coming out in the future when I don't have any idea. Mm-hmm. We're not privy to that information, but there are there will be a new sensor that will be more accurate, more user-friendly. From what I remember and understand, it will not have that beaver tail transmitter kind of piece to it. Um, It will be much simplified. And their next iteration of this hybrid closed loop system that they have will be more fine-tuned with a lot of these pieces that are, they're kind of a pain to have to deal with, right? Um, So they are working on it, as are all the companies out there, right? They're continuing to build and, you know, make changes and and listen. Um, And I meant what I said when we started out, that I think it's, it's not a great position to be in to be first. You know what I mean? Because you probably had to do a lot of things to get through the FDA, and now that's been softened for... Omnipod and Tandem now, you know, that, that path is, is, that path has been cleared out a little bit for them. So there's a lot of good, you know, somebody going first is, and to be honest, if it was going to be anybody, it it makes sense that it was Medtronic, honestly, because they're, well, they're the oldest on the market, honestly, of all of the pump systems, they are the oldest that is still around. I mean, all the rest are pretty much gone. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There are lots of people who love their, uh, their, combo pumps and their animus and things so they're all gone <laughs> they're all gone was it cosmo what was that one that people cosmo loved? cosmo pump right yeah, yeah yeah in fact um another scott um scott johnson who has his own little like diabetes blog and mm. he works with the my sugar group now um he was all, like he babied his Cosmo and like, going as long as he could. He hoarded supplies in order to keep it going as long as he could. He could, he'd probably, I don't know what he's using anymore, but he'd probably go back to it if, if he could because he really loved, loved his nice. Cosmo. That's a nice person. I've met him he, a couple of times. He's awesome. So, what's the overview here of this? If you have the system and it's not working the way you want it to, you're going to have to go out of auto mode sometimes to address some meals, but not all, or you're going to have to understand that your blood sugars are going to be higher than maybe you want and just let it be. We have some kind of standards of when to go out of auto mode. Um, honestly, you know, the, the initial question you asked a while ago about, well, what if I'm eating this really slow digesting or really high fat meal, or, you know, my normal peak is going to be way out here and whatever. And you were used to using a square wave or a dual wave bolus before, mm-hmm. you know what? It might be best to temporarily switch back to manual mode. Use what you knew worked. 
from the get-go. Right. And then when it's done, switch back to your man to your auto mode. Okay. Um, I mean that's that's really one of one of the settings of switching out of auto mode. Another one might be honestly, sick days, high stress those kinds of things, or even like I said, high fat meals, et cetera, where you really, let's say you always know that when you've got this really nasty, like cold that you use 25% more insulin and you've got a a temporary, you've even maybe got a profile set for sick days, Right. right? You know what? Don't hesitate to switch out and go back and use that because you knew it worked. Does that system allow for me to set, could I set up multiple like profiles? No. So I can't have a pizza profile and a regular profile, but see that would, because that would fix it. If I, if I suddenly made the sensitivity and the, you know, the insulin on board times differently and changed like my carb ratios. Remember why it's gathering data over the past several days of insulin sensitivity. I can't keep changing it around because it won't matter. Correct. All right. Okay. Yes. But that's a, that's a great question. Um, Again, you know, days, I even think of days like, my brother-in-law works for Disney, and so we've gone down there more times than I can count, and mm. we've enjoyed the parks and whatnot. And I know that a full day of getting up, and this was pre-kids. Yeah. My husband and I were just enjoying the parks as adults, like running around like crazy kids trying to get to everything, yeah. right? I had to use not only a temporary basil all day long, but also overnight to avoid running too low. Right. Well, you know what? Auto mode would would not benefit me in that scenario, um, because I would just be running too low. It would be consistently trying to probably suspend me, not just temporarily decrease things. And that is also a limiting factor to the system that is different than the coming hybrid systems that are going to be on the market or are already. Yeah. There's only a, to- a certain time frame that it will high temp your basal for okay. or low temp or suspend for before the system kicks you out of manual mode and say, Hey, this is all on you now. Okay. You're, and it will alert you. It's not like it's all of a sudden gone and you're waking up at three o'clock in the morning. Great. I would have loved to know that you kicked me out. There's an auto, there's a, an alert that tells you you are out of auto mode. You are back in manual mode. And it's because either you've reached the max amount of insulin delivery in a time period that's mm-hmm. defined, or you've been suspended or decreased basal for a certain amount of time as well. Interesting. So in a day like I was describing, best to switch out of auto mode, go to your temp basal that worked. Mine was always setting a temp basal decrease of 15% for the whole day that we were there and into the overnight. That worked beautifully. That's, it's great advice. And it also feels like it's, it's a little sad because you're telling me that this pump that I'm, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to stop me from getting high. It's going to stop me from getting too low. It's going to be great. It's going to take my mind off of blood sugars, blah, blah, unless I go to Disney and run around all day and then it's back on me or I have pizza or, 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 you know. And remember, if you are going to Disney today and the last four days you were in some type of horrible business meetings that had you all jacked up in insulin need. It's going to crush you with insulin because you can't whisper to it. It's going to think that your sensitivity is, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't whisper and be like, hey, Hey, I'm like on vacation now. I got a fast pass today, so keep up. Right. Right. (laughs) 
So keep up. No, with no. It. It's going to think, no, for the last three days, you've needed more insulin. Correct. Exactly. Okay. So you go from a, I've needed more situation to I need less situation and it can't, it can't adjust. It, it, it can't adjust. Fa- again, fast enough is okay. kind of the issue, right? Gotcha. And then I guess one of the last ones truly, which we've all experienced on every single pump is an infusion site problem or a site failure yeah. or something, you know, and if you're in that high blood sugar and you know, it's a site problem and you go ahead and you change it, it really is best to switch back to manual mode change out your set, your tubing, maybe even your insulin, give a bolus. We usually recommend via injection Mm -hmm. instead of through the new pump site. And then once your blood sugar is back in range, switch back to auto mode. Right. Okay. I um, am at at pump changes. I do something very similar pump changes. Like I, I don't rely on the new site right away. Like I try to and I also do not stare at bad sites. Like when sites no. don't, when you know, you know how I say it. When 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 an insulin pump site stops doing what I expect it to do, I do not stare at it for ten hours, wondering if it's going to get better again. You know, right? Two boluses. Right. It doesn't do what I want. That's it. It's, a, it's goodbye <laughs> time. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Right. And it doesn't. Ha- it's not like you know. It doesn't happen constantly. I'm just saying when it happens. I I don't look at a pump and think, oh, I have three more hours left on this one. I can't wait. That's an that's a rookie move, right? Like that idea of like, oh, there's three more hours here. I don't want to waste those three hours. There's five more units here. I don't want to waste those five units. I mean, money aside, I understand insulin's expensive. You're going to have diabetes for evs. You know what I mean? So yeah. like it, just trying to cheat two hours here and three hours here and four hours here, you might think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm saving myself an insulin pump set or something like that every month. What you're doing is you're costing yourself three and then two and then four and then six. And before you know it, 20 and 25 hours and 30 hours a month of high blood sugars by trying to sneak an extra two hours out of your pump. You know, I think I think you have to if you can afford to, you have to think about it the other way or supplement with injections if that's that's not working. Correct. Or something like, you know, a Frezza or something that works very rapidly and you know that it's going to work and it's going to get things down or, you know, whatever it is. Look at a 180 going, oh, it's only for eight more hours until the pump's done. Like, right. Come on. You know, don't do that. Just don't do it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Your health is what you're, that's health is first. Health's the goal. Um, Well, and I think you're talking to, you know, you're kind of like hiding from a situation that you can, you can visibly see it's there and you're like, ah. We're just gonna like step maybe away. Maybe it's gonna bit. fix it. Maybe it's gonna time. fix it. Yeah. It's kind of like even you know going along with like the auto mode. We really try to recommend not hiding things from auto mode too, mm-hmm. right? And one big one that is often forgotten, especially if you've gotten into this routine before having auto mode. And if you were an Omnipod user switching to this system, you wouldn't even really think about because you've never disconnected. But when you disconnect from the pump in auto mode, suspend your pump. So the system knows that you are not receiving insulin. Okay. Because if it thinks you're receiving auto mode based adjustments of insulin, when you're really not getting them pumped into your body, It may t- it it will then continue once you do plug back in. It'll continue to think that there's insulin there that wasn't. wasn't. Okay, so you have to tell it if you disconnect the bathe or something like that. You suspend your you pump. You suspend the pump so that it realizes nothing's happening. Correct. Okay. Yep. And I'm assuming that's an easy thing to forget to do. But do people forget? I would say it's an easy thing to forget to do. I. 
you know, some people, especially in conventional mode, coming from conventional mode into using an automated mode like this system has, Mm -hmm. because I'd say probably 50% at least of people who disconnect from their pump because their system isn't connecting with a CGM to do anything with that insulin. They're just disconnecting, letting it pump. They reconnect when they're done with their shower or done with their swim or whatever. Um, Maybe they're, maybe the really meticulous people are remembering Mm -hmm. to suspend their pump and then remembering to resume their pump once you reconnect. I used to be surprised by the number of people who would tell me I took my pump off to get a shower and three hours later remembered I didn't have my pump off. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, and like I said, I used to be surprised. I used to be surprised because Arden uses a pump you don't disconnect from. I never considered it. But, you know, after you think about it for a while, it's reasonable. You could be rushing around or doing whatever. It's, you know, I don't know. To me, it's a selling. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Okay. Well, all right. I don't know what we've. Do you think we've done anything valuable here? Like if a, if a 670G person heard this, would they be like, I've heard something that might help me? I think if you're a person currently using it, yeah. there are some there are some tips if you didn't know about them already okay. to maybe put into action to make it work a bit better for you, especially if you're somebody who is using auto mode pretty much 90, 95, maybe 100% of the time. And you feel like there is something to tweak, but you're not quite sure where to start. Maybe mm-hmm. some of these tips. Um, while we spoke about some of the drawbacks, I think the tips that are in here for people who are using it could be an advantage if they're already not trying them. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think another another big one that oftentimes, again, with these hybrid types of systems is often a forgotten piece of teaching someone when they start on it is how to treat lows. So you're not over-treating your lows. Correct. The age-old 15 grams every 15 minutes kind of thing. A lot of people are still following that. And on a conventional pump, especially if your settings aren't really dialed in very well, maybe it does work quite well for you. Maybe you even need to use 20 grams or 25 grams because you're really not sure how much insulin is there. And that always seems to be, it brings me up and I don't get low again. So I keep using this. Well, you can guarantee that on any of these hybrid system systems that are augmenting the insulin delivery, Right. you have to remember that in auto mode, if your blood sugar is decreasing, mm-hmm. the system is has already seen that. And if it's decreasing and you're going to get below a certain value or to a certain value, depending on the, the rate of trend, the system is either temporarily decreasing or it may already be suspending. So it's already and created the, a void of basal insulin and then correct. you put the food in. And once you stop the drop, there's nothing else there to help with the food. Correct. Because that basal deficit, remember how long into the future, that can make a change. So think about under-treating your lows. Right. No, no. (laughs) That's the easiest way to say it. Yeah. No, I think those are the little pieces that that get lost, especially in a low situation, because there is a panic. I got a really lovely note from a person today, uh, just this morning, who said, uh, how much the podcast has helped them just with that idea. You know, they used to get low and then eat a bunch of food and then just let whatever is going to be be after that instead of recognizing some of this food was for the low 
And some of it was because I'm ravenously hungry because I'm low and I'm scared and all these reasons that, and that this food needs insulin, you know, some of this food needs insulin. Right. And the person said that just that idea from the podcast has really changed their, like their days. You know what I mean? Like they're not spiking and dropping and spiking and dropping all the time. And that's the stuff nobody talks about. And it's tough. And and not to put that on a pump company either. No, because they're, I don't know if people understand, like the pump companies through FDA regulations can't tell you how to manage your diabetes. They can tell you what the pump does and how to technically make the settings, like how to use it. They can't tell you when to use it. They're not allowed. You know what I mean? And that's supposed to be for your doctor, but then your doctor's busy telling you, you know, just keep eating 15 carbs and 15 carbs and 15 carbs. And then, you know, see what happens afterwards. And along with that, you know, we bring into the picture technology, right? Mm -hmm. Our technology today using CGMs you have to remember that CGMs lag, especially in times of lower blood sugars or in times of rapidly changing blood sugar values. Right. Yeah. So if you've treated your low, especially on an automated system like this, Test. if you've treated it, you've, you've got to wait. Yeah. Unless you're willing to do a finger stick right. and a finger stick to see that things have now, oh, they've stabilized. Oh, I'm rising. My blood sugar's coming up. But look at that. My sensor's still reading at 52, but mm. my finger stick is 83. Stop eating your 15 grams every yeah. 15 minutes. You have to stop caring about this. It's an interesting situation. You've corrected the low, and now you're going to wait for your body to respond. Your body begins to yeah. respond with a blood sugar that's rising. The sensor doesn't figure it out quickly enough. So you're still looking at the 52 going, I probably need more food. If you finger stick, you might be 65. Right. If you wait 10 minutes, you might be 74, and the CGM might believe you're 74 too. But it's that panic time right in there. Yes. And I, I'm a fan of testing. I I, I like testing in that spot. I, yeah, I, just I do to be too. Cautious, you know. I do too. In fact, when I, you know, in a conventional pump sense, um, I usually enter the carbs into my PDM mm-hmm. because when I do that for a low blood sugar, if I enter too many grams of carb, the PDM will tell me I need to bolus. Right. And if I have a certain amount of carbs and it's recommending a 0.0 bolus, I know that it's at least offsetting enough to bring me up. And potentially if I've got insulin on board, it'll allow me to actually then take in enough carb to compensate for insulin on board and the low blood sugar without recommending a bolus. If you enter it and you're like, I'm going to eat 49 grams of carb to treat this low. And your pump is like, okay, well, you need 2.2 units of insulin. I guarantee you probably need that 2.2 units of insulin, yeah. even though your blood sugar is sitting too low. I, I will tell a story sometimes when I'm speaking publicly about the time it it struck me, like when I finally figured it out. And Arden had a bad low. It came out of nowhere in the middle of the night. And, you know, everything you described, like she's falling so fast that the CGM, this is years ago, she was falling so fast the CGM didn't pick it up right away. It was also, I think, two generations of Dexcom ago. It was probably the G4. Right. And, and so she's falling fast, and I catch it. I test. She's really low. She's like 36. She takes in 65 carbs, right? And the 36, I finger stick, it holds. I wait five minutes, the longest five minutes of your life. You stick again. She's still 36. You go, okay, she's not falling. You know, you're like, all right. You wait again, you wait again, you wait again. Finger stick, 42, going up. All right. The CGM's still just yelling, 
low, low, low. Yeah, because it's just lagging. Know, yeah, it was. It's 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 a little behind now, right? So I'm like, okay, thirty six went to thirty six, went to forty two. I'll wait, and I wait, and then I saw fifty four, and it was that time. It was this one time that I was like, God damn, you know what I'm gonna do? <laughs> I was like. I'm going to bolus. <laughs> I was like, so she had like 65 carbs. And I think I bolus for like. Because in your brain, you were like, mm, 65 carbs was a lot of carbs. Right. right? But, but, but the leap, I, first of all, you have that adrenaline. You just saw 36 blood sugar. The CGM's yelling low at you. All this is happening. But she's clearly coming up. I didn't bolus for all 65 carbs. But if I remember correctly, I think I did 40 of them. And I stopped her blood sugar at like 170 because trust me, 20 minutes later, her blood sugar started shooting up, right? Yeah. And even that gives you this anxiety because the CGM's catching up. You know, it's telling you low now. She's 54. Now, all of a sudden, she's probably 65. Now, all of a sudden, it goes, ooh, 40. And then it shows you arrows straight up and the arrows panic you. You're like, ah! you know what I mean? But because okay. I was testing, I knew what was happening. I was like, all right. I'll forget this for a second. I'm going to stop paying attention to the glucose monitor for a second, and I'm going to go back to knowing what I know is going to happen. She's got food. She's clearly not low anymore. She's moving up. This is no different than a bad pre-bolus at a meal. Like I, It's right. almost like I pre-bolus too long. Like right, That's right. all that's happening now. So like, what do I do next? And what I did next was insulin. And I'll tell you. Right. Um, if you've ever seen me speak, speak live, like sometimes like I do, I go out into my, uh, my hallway afterwards, I, I leave Arden's room and I'm like, I got my arms up on my head. I'm like, Oh, I killed this. And I was <laughs> like, Oh my God, I did such a good job on this. And then I go to bed and that was it. Uh, but yeah, you can't, if you overtreat lows, especially in these auto systems, this one specifically, you're just going to bounce forever. Like it's just, yeah. it's then it's, then you're not letting the system do what it's there to do for you either. Right. You know? All right. Right. Well, right. I truly believe that, you know, Medtronic's next system will be an improvement over this one. I, I, agree. I, I 100% want to give them credit for doing it first because I think it's uh, I, I don't think that I don't think they had a chance for an outcome any different than the one they got being first and probably I'm guessing dealing with the, the restrictions from the FDA that they put on right. the first, you know, hybrid system. So absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite sure that the, that the restrictions and the parameters they had to stay within were outrageous yeah. to actually get a system on the market that could actually, I mean, the first step really was allowing CGM to replace finger stick. Yeah. It was. 100%. And once that was approved, then they were like, okay, now that that's approved, now we can actually have a system that doses insulin based on CGM values. Yeah. I mean, that was the huge first step. So, I mean, they put a lot into place. I, you know, I would not like. We all need to appreciate. Take away from that. We all need to appreciate the speed in which things are moving through the FDA now that they did not use yeah. to. And I, I was mentioning this to somebody personally last night. If you go back a couple of years, um, and the CEO, Shacey from, from Omnipod is on the podcast, I'm asking her about like, hey, am I ever going to be able to control my daughter's pump from a phone? And her answer a couple of years ago was like, I mean, we would love that, but I don't know how we're getting that through the FDA. And now the horizon's going to come out and it's going to be controlled through your phone. And it's right. a couple of years later. And so for new people who are used to like Dexcom being like, here's the G4, here's the G5, here's the G6, the G7's coming. That's not how diabetes has worked historically, getting new technology to market. 
So things right. are moving so much more quickly than it used to. And it's really amazing, they are. you know. And it's making a big difference for people. I mean, really, even considering just the 670 system and some of the the pivotal trials and the things that Medtronic came out with even years ago. I mean, they really proved that people who used it with a lot of the strategies of applied management to using it, mm-hmm. I mean, they can achieve an A1C kind of shortly under a 7%, sort of in like the 6.8, 6 6.9% range. I mean, a good percentage of time in range. I mean, if you were falling short of that 40%, 50%, if you're using the system well and auto mode most often, you can get 70, 75% in range um, with that range being like, you know, that 70 to sort of 180-ish kind of place. It's such a big deal for a lot of people. For that, that's huge for many people. So- you have to remember where you're coming from when you listen. Like when you say Correct. an A1C, like in the low sevens, it my mind is like, oh, that's a point and a half higher than I want it to be. Right. But that's for me. A person right. who's got a C, an A1C who's nine is like, wow, you just saved my life. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. 100%. No, I, I, I believe it. I really do. Like I like to tease Medtronic. Um, mostly I like to tease them in case they're listening uh, because I am not a fan of what you do in Washington um, around insurance and the way you throw your weight around and limit other pumps. So um, it, for that, and I'll bleep this later, I think you're a bunch of assholes. But, you know, for the rest of it, we're just here talking about I agree. Yeah. That's all. Let Scott awesome. Johnson have his goddamn Cosmo pump. It wouldn't have been that bad, damn it. It wouldn't, no. <laughs> he wasn't taking that much money out of your pocket, Medtronic. He could have let it be, all right? <laughs> right. He's Kicking sent- all these other yeah. products off the market. Yeah, I hear it. Okay. <laughs> Huge thanks to my sponsors, Dexcom and Omnipod. You know, we never mention it, but the uh, opinions expressed on this podcast are uh, not those of the advertisers. Probably should say that once in a while. To take that thought a step further, I'm an idiot. I don't really know anything. So, you know, grain of salt and all. And I'm sure there's a ton of wonderful people at Medtronic. To find out more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Please use my link. Click on it. You know, you can do it right there in your podcast player right now. And to get a free no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to you, myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Don't forget Thursday, the 23rd of April, 2020 at 3 p.m. on the Bold with Insulin Facebook page. Alive, Scott and Jenny. Jenny and I are going to answer your questions right there on the Facebook machine. And later you'll hear it on the podcast. It's actually at Bold with Insulin on Facebook. So I don't know how you do that. Facebook.com. There's some slashes in there, but you'll find it. What else? I don't know. I hope you guys are being safe and finding things to pass your time and all that stuff. I am recording this right now in a pair of shorts and it's too cold to be in shorts but doesn't matter because i'm not going anywhere so at least i'm wearing the shorts